بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسول الكريم ما بعد عن ابي هنيده وائل بن حجر رضي الله تعالى عنه قال سال سلمة بن يزيد الجعفي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا نبي الله ارايت ان قامت علينا امراء يسالون حقهم ويمنعون حقنا فما تأمرنا فعرض عنه ثم سأله فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اسمعوا واطيعوا فانما عليهم ما حملوا وعليكم ما حملتم before we start with this hadith just to continue or to complete the previous lengthy hadith in which rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam prophesied great fitnas and trials and tribulations that will befall the ummah fitnas that obviously will attack the very essence of deen and iman the magnitude of these fitnas being such that yuraqqiqu ba'dha ba'dha that once the fitna subsides the next one that comes will be even worse than the one that preceded it and in this prophecy rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned that the first part of the ummah that in other words his period or time would be the best period and thereafter these fitnas would come and things would get worse and worse and worse and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam advised his ummah that at all costs to preserve the iman to ensure the akhirat to be safe from jahannam and enter into jannah they should ensure that they mort their death finds themselves in such a condition that they believe in Allah and in the akhirat that is in the hereafter and so far as the dealings are concerned wal yati ila an-nas alladhi yuhibbu an yu'ta ilayhi treat people in such a manner that you would like them to treat you the last line of the hadith which as we mentioned was the reason that Imam Nawawi rahimahullah mentioned this particular hadith in this chapter which deals with the importance of obedience to one's leader or to a person who is given authority over us woman ba'a imaman that person who took an oath of allegiance that is he pledged allegiance to his imam to the leader and if you look at the wording fa'atahu safqata yadihi wa thamarata qalbihi when this bay'at or oath of allegiance is taken it's taken with such commitment that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says this person gave his leader the grasp of his hand and the essence of his heart in other words heart and soul one has pledged, pledged allegiance to one's leader falyuti'hu in istata'a then he should obey that amir or obey that imam to the extent of his ability this part of the hadith where rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says obey your amir or obey your leader in istata'a to the extent of your ability the significance of this we mentioned it in a previous hadith where rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said we sahaba say kunna idha bay'ana rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ala as-sam'i wa at-ta'a yaqulu lana whenever we would pledge an oath of allegiance to listen and to obey rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would 
qualify this and say to us, to the extent of your ability. In other words, this was the shafaqa, compassion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this applies to our daily life also, our shariat, our deen. Obey Allah, try your utmost, but to the extent of your ability. Shariat is not beyond your ability. So don't make it more difficult than what it actually is. Don't create unnecessary impediment or difficulty for yourself. This is the, like I said, the compassion of Rasulullah sallallahu So he said, when you take bayat, when you pledge allegiance to your Amir, you've given him the grasp of your hand and the essence of your heart. Now obey him to the extent of your ability. فَإِن يُنَازِعُهُ If another person comes along to usurp his leadership, somebody challenges your Amir. One is, you go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they also, for the unity of the Jamaat, for the Bijor, to be, for there to be Muhabbat, etc., an Amir is appointed. From these ahadith, we learn the importance that you have to, in every circumstance, to listen and obey that Amir. There will always be this situation which will arise where shaitan will try to create tor or disunity. How will he do that? Try and bring somebody else who wants to be the Amir, or wants to have authority, or wants to question the authority of the Amir. Allah's Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, obviously, these ahadiths, as I mentioned many times previously, in the first context refer to an Islamic state or to where a religiously appointed leader is there over us. So he says, if someone comes who challenges or tries to usurp this leadership, then what should you do? فَضْرِبُوا عُنُقَ الْآخَرِ Nabi said, then strike his neck. In other words, at no point should this be tolerated. That the authority of one who is in a position of leadership should be challenged or affected in any way. The reason for this is that in this system and in this uniformity, an ummat is created. Jor, muhabbat, unity is created. And Allah's Rasul sallallahu strove to a very, very great extent to preserve what we call ummat pana, to preserve the unity of his ummat, to keep us as one group. And for us, our hearts not to become disunited. The next hadith which we read the Arabic just a little while ago is narrated by a sahabi whose name is Hunayda Wa'il bin Hujar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was from what we call one of the leaders of the Himyar tribe. It's mentioned in the riwayat about him that Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bashara ashabahu qabla qudumihi bi'ayamin Several days before this person, Wail bin Hujar, could come to accept Islam, Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the glad tidings to Sahaba. He said that Wail bin Hujar is coming. Ya'atikum Wail bin Hujar min ardin ba'ida. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said that a person whose name is Wail bin Hujar is going to be coming to you from a far distance, min Hadramaut. He's coming from Hadramaut, which was towards Yemen. Ta'i'an raghiban fillah wa fi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He's going to come with, in such a manner that he is going to be obedient 
and he is going to have great love for Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In other words, he is going to come to accept Islam. Nabi sallallahu gave glad tidings and prophesied the coming of Wail bin Hujar. That time there was no satellite communication or no telegraphic uh, communication. There was no way that Nabi sallallahu could physically have known of the coming of this group to accept Islam except through wahi. Allah Ta'ala revealed upon Rasulullah sallallahu that so and so is coming. And this was a, a, call, a source of great happiness to Nabi Pak sallallahu alayhi wa So he told Sahaba, this person is coming. He's coming from very, very far. He's coming from Hadramaut and he's going to accept Islam. And when he came, it's mentioned in the hadith, Rahhababihi. Nabi sallallahu was very, very happy. And he graciously extended a welcome towards him. He called him to come to sit very close to him. Basata lahu rida'ahu. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his chadar, his cloak, he spread it on the ground for Wail bin Hujar. Ajalasahu ilayhi ma'anafsihi. Made him sit on his cloak next to him. And thereafter, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him dua and said, Allahumma barik fi wail wa waladihi. That oh Allah give barakah, give blessings to wail and to the progeny of wail. Then Nabi Wasallam sat on the mimbar and made him sit with him on the mimbar. And then praised him. And appointed him as a leader or a governor of his area. From this we can learn the prominence that was given to the Sahabi Wail bin Hujar, whose kunniya was, was known as Abu Hunayda. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Historians mention that 71 ahadith are narrated by him. He passed away. Later on, he settled in Kufa, where he passed away during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So, nevertheless, coming to the hadith, this particular hadith that was narrated by this Sahabi, Sa'ala Salmat ibn Yazid al Jawfi, he says that once I was in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And another Sahabi by the name of Salma bin Yazid Ju'fi radiallahu ta'ala anhu asked a question to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What was his question? Ya Nabi Allah, ara'ayta in qamat alayna umara yas'aluna haqqahum wa yamna'una haqqana. He said, Ya Rasulullah, if this situation arises that leaders are appointed over us, they demand their right from us and they desist from giving us our right. What is the right of your leader as we've seen in many, many ahadith? Asam wa ta'a, to listen and to obey. So you have a leader that is appointed over you. He demands his right. He wants to be listened to, he wants to be obeyed. What are your rights over him? He is supposed to see to your dini betterment. He's supposed to see to your financial welfare. He's supposed to see to everything that is good for you. As we've seen in the previous ahadith, he's supposed to make dua for you, etc., etc. So the sahabi says that, Ya Rasulullah, he is demanding his right. But our right over him, he fails to fulfill that. If you take this general rule or principle in everything, husband and wife, uh, employer, employee, daily interactions, we find very often the situation arises, particularly we find human beings are such that we tend to look at things from our perspective. 
we very rarely, we find it difficult to put our shoe, ourselves in the shoe of the next person. So what happens? We always, we are always, many of us, we feel aggrieved. People are demanding their rights over us, they are not fulfilling our rights. Husband, wife, employer, employee, we find the situation all the time. And more often than not, we fall into this shaitani trap. What is the shaitani trap? He is not fulfilling my right, so it gives me the right not to fulfill his right. We want to demand our rights. The fact that we are not behaving the way we're supposed to behave, we're not worried about that. So we find in this hadith, one very, very important usul and principle in such situations is outlined to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What is the situation? I'm repeating that the, whoever you are coming into contact with is denying you your right. And he is demanding that you fulfill what is due to him. So this is exactly what the Sahabi presents before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Ya Nabi Allah, O Nabi Allah, O Nabi of Allah, tell us, leaders are appointed over us they demand their right from us. They fail to fulfill our right. Fama ta'muruna. Ya Rasulullah, what must we do in such a situation? Before we deal with this matter, or what response Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave to this, we have to understand the psychology behind such a question. Why would someone ask such a question like this? Somebody is appointed over me, he is demanding his right. Yet, he does not fulfill my right. Why would a person pose a question like this? Normally you'd pose a question like this because you're looking for justification to oppose. Obviously, logically, what should it be? Yes, oppose him, replace him, find somebody else, rebel against him. Why? He's not fulfilling your right. Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi Pak gave everything to preserve unity. This is why when he heard this question, Sahaba say, فَأَعْرَضَ anhu." Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam first ignored the question. He ignored the question. This was a subtle manner in which Rasulullah Sallallahu would relate to Sahaba his feelings that he didn't like this question. He felt that this was inappropriate. You shouldn't even be asking such a question. Why? As I mentioned, the reason for this reaction initially is because such things lead to disunity. And Allah's Rasul Sallallahu at every cost used to preserve unity. When the Sahabi insisted, Thumma Sa'ala, he asked a second time, then Nabi Sallallahu explained, and as I run out of time, the reason I'm not going into it now, is that one very, very important usul or principle of Shariat we learn from this, that in this type of situations, what is the ta'aleem and teaching of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam?